welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, hey, and welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for taking the time to stream this message wherever you are. Uh, It is a pleasure, and we consider it an honor that you just take this opportunity to be with us today. Uh, My name's Matt. I'm on team at Empower Church, and um, we just have the privilege of of spending some time with you today, just chatting and talking about what, uh, what it's practically like to be a follower of Jesus. But before we get there, let me just say, if you're new to our Empower community, if you're new to the area, or maybe you want to connect, maybe you um, are just interested in finding out more about who we are, please head over to our website. It's on the screen right now, empowerchurch.co, and um, all all the information's there. And uh, we'd just love to connect with you in any way that we can. There is a connect form that you can fill out on there where one of our team will be in touch Um, And we just know in this time, as we're in Melbourne, still in a lockdown, um, that we need each other more than ever. So please don't hesitate to reach out and one of our team will absolutely be in touch. I also want to let you know that um, we're still doing a whole lot of really wonderful work um, in and throughout our teams at Empower. You know, it's really exciting. Our youth ministry, just led by Ben and Bessie, um, are, are still meeting electronically, digitally, online um, every week. They're doing Bible studies with our young people via apps and all sorts of things. I know Amy Baldwin's doing a fantastic job leading our e-kids and um, they're, they're connecting every Sunday morning. We send out a special link to parents as you register and you can get that information from our website too. Um, And uh, there's just a whole lot of stuff going on. So I want to thank you for for making it a priority to connect in community at this time because I know that we need it more than ever. So go out of your way. Our eConnect leaders led by um, Calvin who heads up our North community um, and also Beck and Isaac in Young Adults um, and also heading up one of our the regions for our eConnects. Beck does that and also Ehab and Silvana. Um, There are just so many people doing a whole lot of fantastic things and there's a place for you to connect. That's all I really wanted to say. Go out of your way, get on the phone to someone that you might know in in Empowered Community and uh, reach out and say, hey, I'd love to get connected a little bit more. That would be awesome. Well, as I mentioned before, we're having this conversation where we've, the last couple of weeks, last five or six weeks, we've been talking kind of like more kind of higher thought around what the church is. And we've wanted to shift gear and just go a little bit more practical over these next few weeks. I'm often asked, what are the things that make Empower Church unique? What are the things that make Empower Church different from other churches? And although, of course, it's certainly not a competition and and that is certainly not something that we we are, are, are trying to create, 
in having a conversation around what makes us uniquely us. But we are acknowledging that God's got us as a community, like he does many other church communities, on this journey of saying, Jesus, if there's a new wineskin, if there's a new way of doing things, we want to lean into what your spirit is saying to the church in this time. Because I don't know about you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that we need to shift some things in this life. I was even, I was listening to an interview from a guy that, um, his name's Tim Keller, he's a well-known theologian and pastor in New York City and he's done some really phenomenal works and written some wonderful books. And he was being, inter- in, uh, he was being interviewed in a church leadership kind of podcast environment. And it was on Christians and the church reaching the world in a post-Christian world. And there were some fascinating insights that came out of it. But really what caught my um, attention, and to be honest with you, it had me up for a few hours that night thinking about how did we become a post-Christian world? A lot of the church communities that I've been a part of over the last 20 years have always celebrated um, kind of the wins, I suppose. Like how many decisions are being made? How many this? Like surely by now, surely by now our our city should be transformed with the gospel of Jesus. But instead we face the stark, cold, hard truth if we dare to look at it long enough that we're living in a post-Christian age. And that can only lead us to asking one question. And that one question that we must ask and we must invite the Holy Spirit and we must ask this this question as a community. So we must ask this question that um, is what, what have or haven't we been doing for the last 30 to 50 years to lead us to a place that instead of being Christian community, We're now living in a post-Christian community. Fascinating question. And so out of that question, this journey of Lord, who are we and who are we called to be, really starts to take shape. And friend, I want to tell you, it's one that we shouldn't do isolated. It's one that we shouldn't do alone. We shouldn't do it solely on the platform of our own mind, but it is something we should engage with church community and leaders and family and friends, as we wrestle with the truths, as we ask the hard questions, how do we reach our neighbors? How do we um, be a church of influence in this time? Is numerical attendance on a Sunday the only way that we can have influence in a city that's so driven by full stadiums, full theaters, full shopping centers, full cafes, full, we measure things largely like that. But Jesus, is there another way? And I kind of deep down believe that a big part of this journey that we're on, even through these lockdowns, that God's using it to really solidify and reposition us as the church. Last week, I I, um, kind of announced this whole idea that we want to be a church that's empowering everyone to walk with Jesus every day to bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere. Everyone, every day, everywhere. Put that in the chat. That's what we're talking about over these next few weeks. Everyone, every day, 
everywhere. And last week we spoke about everyone. We spoke about how, first of all, we said Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is absolutely for everyone. He wants to be in relationship with everyone. His grace is for everyone. His grace isn't for the churchgoer and not the sinner. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. It's like, it's like the healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do. Jesus is for everyone. We said in part of, um, part of some of the really important distinctives that make us uniquely empower church as followers of Jesus is that we, when we say everyone, we mean everyone belongs. You can belong before you have to believe. You can belong before you need to behave. It's the spirit that does the transforming work in your life, not the rules, not the systems by which we live in. Everyone belongs. We also said everyone is a minister. And there's a few fact, really important factors to this. Everyone is a minister. What does that mean? It means that everyone has a, everyone has been, has got a calling from God to be a minister. It's certainly not just for kind of the pastor or the leader of the church or anything like that, that sort of person, the paid church staff up the front. Everyone is a minister. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see a member, he sees a minister. And one of our sayings at Empower Church is we are a church full of ministers, not a church full of members. We don't believe that this, um, it's possible to be a believer and a follower of Jesus and be a consumer or a spectator. We believe everyone is a minister and everyone has a really important part to play. Everyone is a minister. That everyone in the Greek, it means everyone. <laughs> it's you, it's me, it's all of us, and we all have a role to play. And this is where the next part around everyone's a minister is really important for us to say, because we're not talking about everyone has a role to fill in our Sunday worship services. We're saying, no, everyone has a unique, God-given, God-shaped calling and destiny and we as the church, we as the fivefold ministers, according to Ephesians chapter four, my primary role is to equip you and to empower you for the working of the ministry, for the maturity until all of us have attained maturity in Christ. My job is not to do the work that your ministry is called to do. My job is to empower and equip you through God's word, through impartation of spiritual gifts. My job is to set that gift on fire and watch it burn and make a significant impact. We've often said that revival is not the church coming to the world. That's old wineskin thinking. But revival is the world going, the church, sorry, going to the world. And that's what you and I are called to be. Everyone belongs, everyone's a minister, and lastly, everyone is growing. We're all on this journey. And that's why we don't look down our noses at someone that doesn't have uh, all the information that we have or know all the church lingo. We are a church that um, embraces every stage of growth and development. It's really important that we understand this because one, one of the really important leadership um, and just relational things that I learned probably 
15 years ago now was we've, Matt, be someone that seeks to understand first. Seek to understand before you're sought to be understood. In other words, someone's got a story. Someone's got something, uh, an amazing background that you might know might not know about. That's the reason why they're in the place that they're in right now. And so their story is powerful and everyone is growing. Everyone is growing. Today, we shift gears and we talk. We go from everyone to every day. Would you put that in the chat? Every day. I told you last week, I'm not really in this preaching mode. I'm kind of just chilling in my office today. I got my keyboard in the background, the guitar up there. There's a random microphone over there and... and um, um, my motorbike helmet that hasn't been worn for about 14 years. Um, that's a photo of my grandfather from World War II. Um, that's a massive book that I'm, I'm, I'm reading for some studies I'm doing. That's a lie. And there's, there's a whole lot of other things happening here. So we're just, we're just talking today, which is all good. But I want to talk to you about everyday disciples. Every day. The first thing is everyday disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? Let me, let me say this. It'll be on the screen. A disciple is a believer in Christ who intentionally takes part in the spiritual development process of progressively learning to live all of life in submission to Jesus so that we, in, in, uh, by being with Jesus, we become like Jesus. That's what Mark chapter 3 verse 14 teaches us. So a disciple in really basic terms is just kind of like um, at, a, at its grassroots level is growing and maturing in faith until we are like Jesus. Until when pressure hits, we end up responding more like Jesus than we do ourselves. In a, in a moment of frustration and, um, and emotion, I don't act like Matt Garner, I act like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to acknowledge that I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes, but every day I'm going to continue to surrender who I am at the feet of Jesus so that he can transform me by his spirit to be like him. See, this isn't a conversation around um, willpower. That's what the world teaches. This isn't a conversation even around um, being motivated to change. This is a conversation around, around um, like all that change happens on the outside, expecting to change the inside. But the truth is, is that the gospel, uh, the gospel and the message of Jesus is the only message in the world that seeks to transform the inside. So, and in doing so, change the outside. We go about changing our diet, changing our clothing, changing where we live, changing our job, changing the church, changing this, changing that, all because we're unsatisfied with what's in here. But friend, what's so important to know is that Jesus by the Spirit can change in here so that we can live free out there. It's amazing. And so the goal of discipleship, of us growing to being like Jesus, growing in every area to be like Jesus, in, in, our, in the area of our thinking, in the area of our emotions, in the area of our, our surrendering our career to the Lord, 
So the goal of discipleship is actually around then manifesting Christ in our us as individuals and also the kingdom of heaven through that individual and through the church, the ecclesia, which is you and I as a community. Heaven is going to come to earth and the way it's going to come is through you and I. We carry the kingdom of God within us. And so we are everyday disciples, everyday disciples. Let's read a few verses in the Bible and, um, and, and, and we'll go from, go from there. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, everyday disciples, everyday, everyone, everyone, every day, everywhere. Everyday disciples. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I love this. I think it's in the message translation I'm reading from. So here's what you want to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, there's that word, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I love that. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. That's so incredible. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. I'm just laying a foundation around what it looks like from a biblical perspective to be an everyday disciple. Matthew chapter 28, 16 to 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus appointed pointed for them. When, he saw, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. John 8, 31, 32. The Jews who had believed in him, uh, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you would hold to my teaching, you are really, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Matthew chapter 4, verses 19. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now we see that one of the key behaviors of a disciple is to be a follower of Jesus. John eleven thirty four to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. 
that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think that's so powerful in this day and age. I think how are the world going to know that we're Christians? See, they used to be able to know that we were Christians because we went to church. We went to service. We went to this building on a Sunday. But that's not the way that that leads us to a post-Christian future. But the way we redeem our communities and our cities and our neighbours and the way people know that we're followers of Jesus is not by where we go on a Sunday. The way people are going to know whether we're followers of Jesus is by our love for one another, our love for our neighbours, our love for the broken, our love for the hurting. Last scripture, Acts chapter 11, 25, 26. Let's read from verse 26. And when he, when, they had, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was for that whole year, they assembled with the church and taught great, a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And I wanted to read that scripture to you because I wanted you to realize that before you were anything else, before you had a title of the type of religion that you're a part of, you were a disciple of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. Let me re reiterate this message. This is not Matt Garner's church. I'm not in control. We humbly surrender the church to Jesus. We humbly surrender who we are to him. Long before you were uh, a part of any, anything like that, you and I are followers of Jesus. At a fundamental level, let me just say it like this. If your Christianity revolves around your attendance to a building, friend, you've got a broken, distorted, powerless version of Christianity. In fact, it's not really Christianity at all. It really falls into uh, that category of religion. But you are more than that. You are a follower, as an everyday disciple, you are a follower of Jesus. You have different ingredients in your life. You're the ingredients. It's like these lockdowns come along and the, the previous makeup of what it meant to be to be a Christian gets broken. And now we're faced with this whole new question of what does my behavior now? Who am I now? What does it look like for me to be a, a, a disciple, an everyday follower of Jesus? Let me give you five important ingredients of what it looks like just practically to be a disciple, an everyday disciple. Number one, you are at, it's outcome focused. What do I mean by that? I mean, it's the spirit's outcomes, okay? As you begin to transform, so you're not measuring your Christianity or uh, the whether you fit the disciple box or not based upon attendance, based upon um, those sorts of things. You're looking at, have, you've got a more biblical framework now. So you're looking, and I've got this thing called character, which is talking about the fruits of the spirit. And calling, which is really talking about us developing in the, the gifts of the Spirit, the unique calling that God has for our life, equals the impact and the fruit that we 
um, that we see through our ministry. Character, so we're outcome focused. What does that mean? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. God wants to produce those in you. And as an everyday disciple, I'm focused on those being key outcomes in my life. I'm not looking at attendance so much anymore, although that's an important, uh, although that's that's a has a part to play. I'm not downplaying attendance. I'm trying to raise the value of us going, Lord, would you transform me from the inside out? And then calling. We're growing in our spiritual gifts. We're growing in our ability to use them. We're growing in our ability to hear God's voice through those gifts and see the kingdom of heaven manifest in our homes with our children. The greatest parenting technique you can have is one where you listen to the spirit's voice about your children and you respond to that. The the greatest way that you can have an impact on that job, how to get a breakthrough in that area for the business that you're a part of is saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? We're measuring different things. And so one of the really important ingredients that we want you to, um, I, I suppose, write down today and take note of is that as an everyday disciple, it's outcome focused. What else is it? Number two, it's habit fueled. It's habit fueled. It's not Sunday fueled. My discipleship is not fueled by events. My discipleship is fueled by habits. And habits produce wonderful, powerful, godly, transformative outcomes. It's the spiritual habits that help us partner with the Spirit. When you have a habit of prayer, when you have a habit of of Christian commun- being in Christian community, when you have a habit of Bible study, when you have a habit of um, quiet times and reflective moments, those habits, spiritual habits, allow us to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit. They're the moments that we hear God's voice. They're the moments that God really does a deep work and starts using us. Discipleship is outcome focused. It's habit fueled. It's community forged. In other words, discipleship is just about impossible without being in community. It is so important for us to understand this, that you're not called to be an island out there. You're called to be a part of the community that God's put you a part of. In fact, it's impossible. It's impossible. We In our um, series on the church just a, a few weeks ago, we discovered that the word ecclesia, Matthew chapter 16, uh, when it talks about the church, Matthew uh, that word ecclesia, the called out ones. It's not the called out one. It cannot be understood, theologically speaking, um, in the in the context of one. It must be understood in the context of community. Discipleship is forged in community. I love it. I love the people that I have personally around me. They challenge me. They sharpen me. They they encourage me. They stir me up. You know, someone um, in my world, Jamie's a, just a big thinker and he's always thinking about how um, how we've got to go do this out there and how we can reach that person and how we can reach that person. And then I sit down with other wonderful pe- people. I sit down with Peter who encourages me to think on a different level altogether around a whole lot of different things. And, 
And then I've got uh, people that are stirring me in the area of, of responding in faith. And that happens and is forged in the context of community. Number four, it's mission fixated. It's done in mission. It's done with mission in mind. Discipleship, we are not only growing and maturing but uh, as disciples, but we are also helping people to grow and mature and find Jesus as we are disciples. It's mission fixated. It's active service where you live, work, play, learn, worship, or within a specific group. All of those places are the environment of your mission. And we're called as disciples to have mission really, really central to, um, to our lives as we follow and commit to serving Jesus. And the last ingredient that I want you to look for is it's content flavored, not content codependent. If I, um, if I look at how I've seen discipleship done in the past, it's largely, or how our society is wide, let's just forget how discipleship's done in the past, but how society is wide is we're content codependent. There is so much content out there, but we've become too codependent on content for our discipleship. It needs to be flavored with content, but we've got to understand that content, just sitting in a lecture, sitting in a session, sitting in a, in a teaching uh, moment like this is just the flavoring to your discipleship, not the entire part. We are everyday disciples. Another thing that I want you to write, write down, put it in the chat, is that we're everyday disciples, number one, but number two, everyday mission. You and I are always on mission. You know, coming out of the 80s and the 90s and even the early 2000s, it was all about what nation can we go to and what third world country can we, can we reach. And whilst that's beautiful and it's powerful and I, I, I want to encourage you if that's the path the Lord's got you on to go for it. But I also want to remind you that we live in mission every day of our life. Just because we live in mission doesn't mean that you and I are on mission. And the difference is, is a mentality towards how we view the call of God for our life. If we view it just as preaching or just as some big moment, then we're always only going to think that we're on mission when we're out doing one of those kind of crusade kind of missions trip type of things. But when we have a mentality that my community that I'm a part of, the street that I live on, the neighbors that I live next to, the family that I live with are my mission and realize that we're already in mission and we live and we make this decision to live on mission. We start approaching things with intention to bring the good news of Jesus into those spheres too. And maybe that's one of the really significant things that's been missing in the church in the West is we've looked to mission out there instead of thinking, God, you've called me to be a missionary in my own context, with my own family, in my own home, to show them what the love of Jesus and what transformation because of the Spirit looks like in my life. 
every day on mission. See, part of it is because the church in the West have preached a gospel that I've I've said it like this. It's we've said it's a saved souls gospel. And yes, we want to see souls saved. And that kind of equate equates to like the plan, it equals the plan of salvation. When the plan of salvation is all about forgiveness of sin and it's about a place in heaven when we die. But a gospel that stops there is radically incomplete compared to the gospel that Jesus brought us. The gospel is much bigger than just a fire insurance kind of, um, I said yes up the front of a church building to give my life to Jesus, so now I'm going to heaven. God's got so much more for you than that. And that's the kind of saved souls gospel. But we need the saved whole gospel where, yes, it's the plan of salvation, but more if the saved souls gospel equals plan of salvation, the saved uh, whole gospel equals Jesus is Lord. And there's kind of three dimensions to this concept. It's the whole story, the whole expression, and the whole life. The whole story speaks of that Jesus is the center of the story, of all history, of the story of the Israelites, of the story of the law and the prophets. They're all fulfilled completely in the story of Jesus. Jesus is the full and the complete complete revelation of God. Jesus is the ultimate example of a human being fully alive, of a human being being fully uh, alive and used and surrendered to the Father. It's the whole expression gospel. The whole, it's the gospel announcement. The gospel announcement that Jesus is Lord includes the gospel presence. In other words, when we say Jesus is Lord, there's a presence that backs it up. And I'm not just talking about the backing up of just like this kind of aura, this feeling around our lives, although that will happen. I'm talking about it. I'm talking about this presence and this, this um, it's a gospel presence from the micro and from the macro, from the organic and from the organized. And this presence is found in, in, the, in gospel proclamation, which is verbal. In other words, you've got how we speak, like Jesus should just be flowing out of our mouth. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. But it's also, it's the gospel proclamation, but it's also the gospel demonstration. And the presence of our, of our statement that Jesus is Lord comes verbal, comes in proclamation and also demonstration through signs and through service and through wonders and through pr- for praying for people and for living by faith in that way. And lastly, it's about the whole life. It's the announcement that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. This is the most important three-word worldview that you need. Jesus is Lord. It's my prayer today that that statement, Jesus is Lord, would you would take off the Christian shelf of cliches And you would really just sit on that word for a moment. Sit on those three words. Jesus is Lord. And would you just take the moment right now to 
investigate, allow the spirit to shine his flash torch, his flashlight, his torch on your heart? Would you allow him to excavate the soil, the ground of your life to see if Jesus is Lord? The ramifications, the impact of living a life where Jesus is Lord is massive. It is huge. And it means being an everyday disciple that's on everyday mission means moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of your life. In other words, Jesus's way is now our way. And last but not least, before we close, I want to talk to you today. Every with everyday disciples, I follow Jesus every day. I don't just follow Jesus on a Sunday. It's everyday disciple. I'm an everyday disciple. I'm it's everyday mission. I'm always on mission. In my home, God's got a plan. Down at the shops, God's got a plan. In my local park, God's got a plan. Every day on mission, everyday mission. And lastly, put it in the chat, everyday miracles. We are a spirit-led people. If you come to one of our Sunday services, one of the distinctives that we want to continue to leave in, if you come to one of our Jesus nights, one of the distinctives that we really want to lean into is being led by Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit empowers us to worship Jesus in a way that is so wonderful and beautiful and um, and 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 really incredible. Words can't express how wonderful it is to have the Holy Spirit, to be someone that's led by the Spirit, to glorify the name of Jesus. See, miracles are more than a Sunday. Miracles are more for a Monday. Miracles are more for a Monday than they are for a Sunday. See, Jesus only performed three, they call them synagogue miracles. The rest were outside of the temple. Some were in the temple courts, and I reckon he did them in the temple courts just to be like, I'm not in the temple. The glory has moved from that place into me, and so I'm going to demonstrate God's power in a place that you thought it couldn't possibly move, a place that's occupied by the Romans, a place that's been desecrated, a place that's been defiled, a place that's all those sorts of things. I'm going to show you that the glory and the presence and the power of God can move so profoundly in that place. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 were on their way to prayer. They were on their way to church and they were interrupted by a beggar. When was the last time you were on your way to church? Lockdown, so I, I get it. But on your way to do something for Jesus, but you were interruptible enough to be used by Jesus. <laughs> Man, everyday miracles. We're led by the Spirit every day. How did he do it? How did Jesus live this way? He did it by because he was listening, because he was he was learning, leaning. He was hearing. He was looking for what the Father was doing every day because he was an everyday follower. And as a result, he was followed by everyday miracles. 
He was listening to what the Father was saying. Signs and wonders follow the preaching of the gospel. Maybe we don't see everyday miracles because we're not everyday preachers. Maybe we assigned the preaching of the gospel to to Matt or to someone else that we position in that way. No, everyday miracles, friend, are for you. See, the reason why we don't see miracles every day is because we've been conditioned to only believe for them on Sunday. I'm guilty of this. I'll be honest with you. I want to be really transparent with you. I've been in church meetings so much. You know, I've been in church at sometimes four or five times on a Sunday. And I've been in meeting after meeting after meeting that we get conditioned to think that that's how and that's the only way that God moves. That's the only way the Spirit does miracles. And no one ever teaches that from the platform. Churches don't do that. But our systems and our cultures condition us to believe God and find it easier to believe God for miracles in that moment than on the Sunday than we do the Monday. But miracles I'm proclaiming are for everyone. In fact, I want to take a prophetic moment and prophesy right now that there is going to be an increase in everyday miracles. A Monday miracle, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday miracles. God's about to unleash in this new season as we step into spring, a new level of everyday miracles. Check out this scripture as we close, Romans chapter 8, 1 to 11. It's going to help us understand how to be and live this everyday miracle lifestyle, how to live spirit-led every day. Romans 8, chapter 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in it, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness, the, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And I think it's important that we just highlight that word walking. Like it's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's an everyday thing. It's not like a, it's not like we're just standing in at once and then it's done. No, we're walking in the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, and listen to this, I want you to underline this. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So you live, if you're experiencing a whole lot of flesh stuff in your life, it's because you've set your mind, it's because you've set your mind on the things of the flesh. But to those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are uh, in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. And if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now, uh, sorry, uh, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We must submit, we must fix, we must set ourselves, our thinking, our affections, who we are on the spirit. As everyday disciples, as every as we're on everyday mission and as we're every believing for everyday miracles as we're led by the spirit then we've got to in order to unlock that key we've got to be people that are setting our minds on things of the spirit we've got to be these people that are are really leaning into what the lord is saying and be be uh be inclining to what the spirit is saying I think it's a huge key in this day and age. I think if we're to see our worlds change, we've got to take our Christianity from being one day to being every day. Everyone, every day, everywhere. God's calling you to be that everyday Christian. Start today. Start by just reaching out to him right now. Call upon his name and pray. God bless you. Hang around, connect with us after this. See you soon.